Hey guys, it's Tony. I'm here to talk to you about Awaken Conference. Now, Awaken is a young adult gathering in Charlotte, North Carolina from January 31st to February 2nd, 2020. And it's meant to help you recharge your spiritual life and connect with a community that you can grow your faith alongside. Now, this year's presenters include a killer lineup with Caleb Isley of Humans of Adventism and, of course, a friend of the podcast. He's been on a few episodes. Kim Cove, a licensed counselor, and Randy Ban, the creative producer at Nike World Headquarters. The keynotes will be brought by Ben Lundquist of the Rise and Lead podcast, uh, a good friend of mine and an amazing speaker. Trust me, guys, you will not want to miss out. And Absurdity will be there. So me and Becker, uh, you get, get to see us if you come out. Uh, would love to come and talk to you. We absolutely think that this is something you're going to want to come and see. Speaking of, if you enter the code Absurdity at awakennc.com, that's Absurdity, A-B-S-U-R-D-I-T-Y, at awakennc.com, you're going to get a 10% discount. We'd love to see you there. This is absolutely something that we support, and we think that Awaken is a part of the growing church movement that we want to see moving forward. Once again, if you enter code absurdity at awakennc.com, you'll get a 10% discount off the initial price. Love to see you guys there. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology. Welcome back to Absurdity. I'm Ryan, and we are at episode 103, and this is still really weird to me. Um, still trying to figure that one out, but I do know recently there's been a lot of new people listening to the podcast, so that's why I say, hi, I'm Ryan, at episode, yeah. episode 103. Yeah. Um, Which I'm... That's... But, I'm happy about that. Like, it's awesome. Yeah. I found out the other day I uh, went to kind of a big thing in our church. Um, Only kind of. Kind of. Uh, Adventist Coachella, as it's known. Uh, yes. It's uh, the Oshkosh International Pathfinder Campery. And the, kind of the only reason I go, this is my third one, and kind of the only reason I go is because um, now as an adult, it's to meet people, it's to say hi. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and in, like I enjoy my little brothers getting to pin trade and all that. They're with their club now. So that was fun for me. And yeah, like five or six people came up to me straight up and were just like, oh, yeah, I listen to your podcast. I was just like, oh, OK. And before that, I was in Louisville and I talked to a good friend of mine, Hannah Chandler. And and I just mentioned casually she, a couple she, of times. She's in Louisville. Yeah, she's in Louisville now. And, That's and cool. I, I mentioned that, yeah, she's working a really great job. We got to, you know. Uh, uh, hang up, uh, hang out and catch up and, um, and, and <laughs> hang up and catch out. We got to hang up and catch out, you know, as they say in Louisville, <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time someone mispronounced that city anyway. Louisville? So we were there yeah. and, um, but yeah, like we were just talking and I casually mentioned a couple of times. She's like, you, you do a podcast. And I was just like, yes, I'm a millennial white guy so yes i have a podcast it's but, kind of a requirement yeah, it's a prerequisite it's, to being like i'm pretty sure when you turn 18 they just give you a podcast if you don't have one already yeah well at least a microphone like they give you a yeah. mic but it's your own it's like a social contract kind of a thing like you're yeah picking up your trash or your dog's and it's uh, like waste. it's basically like giving you a participation trophy before yeah. you've even participated or signed up for the event yeah 
it's a way to it's it's as I'm not going to say that it's a way of enticing you, shall we say? Um, <laughs> I was I was going to make a wire reference, the wire reference, but I'm not I'm not going to do that. It's not going to it's old over a lot of people's heads. Anyway, so we were talking and and she was just saying like, oh wow, you're in a podcast, and I was like, yeah, you should listen to a few episodes. So I I gave her the one um on nerd culture, and and it was looking for nerd culture that I realized how far we've come. Cause in my head, we like just did nerd culture. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, that was like, yeah. oh, it was a while ago, but it wasn't that. It was like, it's in the forties, I think. Yeah. And we've done it's- more episodes now than we, well, obviously than had done back then, but, but like <laughs> we've done over double. And when I say we, I mean like the podcast, because I came out and I think on 19, but still it was like, oh my gosh, like we've, we've done, I think I've done more with you now than like at that point. And it's crazy. Like yeah. Double it is, that. It is insane to see how far we've come. It really and, is. Cause, um, Cause I just, she kept scrolling down. I was like, okay, keep scrolling, keep, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Keep, keep, wow. Uh-huh. That sounds like a humble brag is what that's, it keeps going but, through all no, the episodes really, But produced. it really doesn't because I, I felt yeah. so dumb because I was like, I think it's in the 60s. Oh, nope, it's oh. in the 50s. Nope, I think it's in, the, yep, oh, there it is, there it is. But it it really felt so cool. But it's, it is weird yeah. to say that. But I love having new viewers and finding out that there are people who are, are listeners and and yep. they're like, oh, we really like it. I was like, oh, man, that's that's so cool to me. Cause it still just feels like it's you and me doing like, like making really cruddy movies, you know, short films in our backyard. Like that's yeah. kind of what it feels like, but, but that's not at all what it is no. anymore. And, and there's um, a lot more prep that goes into it now. Yes, there is for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, and I will say to, to anyone who is new, I do appreciate you checking us out and, and listening to the podcast. And um, it, this is, this has been a great experience. And I will say this um, to I do have very, very soon a huge announcement coming on Patreon. It's pretty huge. So if you, um, I'm not going to say any more than that uh, here as far as like about the announcement itself. But if you do want to know, you will need to become a patron uh, if you want to know in advance. Otherwise, you're going to wait a while. But, um, and that's the other thing. If you want to support us financially and um, and uh, you like what we're doing and, and you want to throw some money our way, um you can donate by going to theabsurdity.org slash donate. There's a link to our Patreon and there's um, links to be able to subscribe via PayPal as well. If you don't want to sign up for a Patreon account and anyone who signs up via PayPal will get the same announcement. No worries. Um, but I am really excited about something that's coming up and uh, that we're going to be doing. And um, so I, I don't want you to miss out. And so every patron will get it regardless of don- donor level. Don't worry. Um, but if you do want to, subs- if you do want to donate and, and, support this podcast like that really helps us out um it helps me out and some of the things that we're doing um it looks like i'll be hiring an audio producer and editor soon that will take over the editing for me um which will be great because it'll free me up to produce more content yeah um so yeah it'll be absolutely awesome and so if you do want to support the podcast that is the best way to do it um other than like telling your friends about it (laughs) also Um, do that so i'm yes do that too so I'm going to say, I'm going to brag about something real quick. So if you're someone that hates our, our early episode banter, go ahead and skip ahead by like three minutes um, at this point, because I'm going to, that's an estimation, but I'm going to brag about something real quick. So um, I recently bought a Nintendo switch. That's not the bragging part. And uh, I I used to play, 
I used to play Super Smash Bros. Um, when I was in high school, I used to play Brawl and Melee. Melee was the GameCube version. Yep. Brawl was the Wii version. Yep. Hadn't played Smash Bros. And I, I went to a couple tournaments. Orlando was actually a big scene. Like Florida itself is a big scene for right, tournaments. Yeah. Uh, like major tournaments and I never placed or did anything it's like just, I just went and played and yeah it's just fun it's big for you and I love too. smash yeah so I've gotten back into it pretty significantly and I've gone to a couple Chattanooga locals and lost first round like I'm not great at the game but I'm definitely better than like an average random person playing the game right and Nintendo recently updated the game and added an online tourney mode there's an online ranked mode that sets you up against people in your skill level, but the online tournament mode, it's just like you queue Anybody. up, it finds 32 yeah. players and it throws you in a tournament. And if you lose a round, you can just queue up for the next tournament or like queue up for another tournament. So it's not an official thing. It's literally just like a mode. Right. And I, I Monday night, a couple of weeks ago, I log in, I, I start up the game and I use tournament mode to warm up. And, uh, First game of the night, it loads up all the names and everyone. And I notice the name of the opponent I'm up against looks familiar. And so I quickly go on Twitch, which is the, which is a streaming website for video games mainly. Um, and I look up, I look up the person I think it is. And I'm right. I played first round of an online tournament against the number one Jeez. Super Smash Bros. Melee player in the world. Wow. And he was streaming. So, and I was in a, such a hurry before the game match started that I left the stream up once I had confirmed it was him. So I could hear him literally reacting to everything that was happening. Um, and here's what I'm really proud about. I took him to sudden death. Um, <laughs> I took the number one melee player in the world to sudden death. This is, you can find this on his stream archive, by the way. Um, but not only that, um, that here's where it the got episode's worse. Right? titled, a, who's this new punk that I'm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, the, now here's why I took him to sudden death. He was playing, he had this challenge to win an online tournament on random, like with a, selecting a random character. So he's playing a character he doesn't normally play, but yeah. the um, what's crazy is there's a moment right before the main match ends and then it goes to sudden death if you're tied. And in that one moment, I heard him say, I went back and watched it later. I missed him say this when the game was live. Um, he goes up throw. He called how he was going to beat me before sudden death started. And then I lost from an up throw. He he both called it and 30 seconds later followed through. That's freaking legendary. I don't care who you are. That is legendary. But I'm just proud I took him to Babe sudden death. Even if pointing, he is. Because shot. there's a certain amount of fundamentals in Super Smash Bros. that like anyone who's better than you can play on random and basically beat you no matter what. Because it has less to do with your ability to execute. Right, well, it does have yeah. to do with your ability to execute, but also just to read your opponent yeah. and what they're going to do and, you know, punish habits. So, um, yeah, it was crazy. And I was shaking and it was insane and it was wild and I loved every second of it and I love this game. All right, cool. That's all I wanted to brag about. Um, to those who skipped ahead Welcome three minutes back. and I went yep. a minute over, Welcome I'm sorry. Back. This is awesome. Um, Thank you. And, yes. uh, you know, Ryan, I've, I've never heard a more beautiful reason for world peace. And I'm so glad that you shared that. Uh, for those yeah. of you, you know, who didn't listen, wow, wow, I'm in tears. I'm I'm you literally should, yeah. in tears. So. He's crying right now. Um, no. So I want to talk about something this week that I, um, even though, like we always do, we talk about current events way after they've happened. Um, but don't worry, because knowing how our country works, there'll be another one soon enough. Yeah, this is um, sadly prescient. Yes. Um, so we're going to talk about the the mass shooting are we, conversation. Are we going to do today. a trigger warning? And um, yeah, I'll throw one at the beginning okay. for sure. 
Um, we're going to talk about mass shootings today and um, basically in response to the El Paso and Dayton shootings. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm going to do a quick recap. I'm not going to go in depth because everyone knows about those. Everyone knows about the manifesto. Everyone yeah. knows about most of this stuff. And if you don't know, you can easily find it. Most of the stories that we use to launch or to launch into these conversations are viral, but they're not they're not viral to the point that everyone and their mother knows about it. They're right, just viral yeah. like you have, you know, they're just normal viral. We come and, across um, them organically. Yes. And but this one was going to put in everyone's faces. So um not going to go in depth. But, you know, a few weeks ago, there was the shootings within two shootings within 24 hours, El Paso and in Dayton. Um, what's wild is I was talking to a friend of mine last week and he told me that um his friend was moving to El Paso, like that part of El Paso. And that Walmart is his Walmart is going to be his Walmart. And he was supposed to be there that weekend. And like, for some reason just wasn't there, but like he could have been there realistically. Um, and that's wild to me, yeah. but and well, then Dayton, and I, I, I have family. Say, yeah, I know a bunch of friends from Dayton yep. and they're like, I know where that happened. I had one guy who lived right next to that particular area. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's wild is even since then, there's been a ton now of, I, I don't know how frequently the arrests were happening before the media co- coverage really picked up on it, but there's been a lot. It seems like there's an uptick in articles coming out of saying that like police arrest 15 year old police arrest, um, 13 year old P- police arrest, 18 year old who threatened to shoot their school yeah. or threatened yeah. to take a gun, you know, yeah. in their video game. Um, and I actually watched a video the other day of a mom. And they've got like a ton of ammo and yeah. Um, I, wa- yeah. I watched this, this video the other day of a mom who was standing on the front porch. Her son was about to be put in handcuffs. Who's 15 and cops are explaining to her like why they're arresting her kid. And she breaks out into tears and she's like, and he's going to, he's going to juvie. Basically he's going to a juvenile detention center for making uh, threats on a video game to bring his mom's AR 15 to school. And she's like, my son would never do that. Like he didn't actually do it. Why are you arresting him? And they're like, well, Florida statute says, like you cannot make a written threat. That was literally a written threat to shoot and kill people. Sorry, that's the crime. He's like, but he hasn't done it, and he never followed through. And he, you know, kids just joke online. And I know that other people do it, but my son would never do that. And she's like hysterical and crying, and and um, and like really kind of. At first, she's pretty calm, relatively speaking. Um, but she does she does get into Evolve. it a bit with them, and yeah. and it's just interesting to watch that happen. Of like, I feel like. Here's my first response to the mass shootings, right? Everyone always jumps to, oh, wow, I would have never guessed that person would have done that. And I think we've talked about this before. Yeah. Last episode, Maybe we even talked like about last it a little episode. Bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like anyone's capable of, of anything. And not only that, like if like everyone jumps to, oh, I know him. I've known him for years. He's a sweet kid or she's this sweet girl. I, they would never do that. They would, you know, I, I can't imagine. I would never have imagined they would do such a terrible thing. Of course you didn't. If you did, you would have reported. You would have said it. something, yeah. Like I don't. Well, it, 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 again, like comedians make jokes about this, where they're like, "Well, I would certainly hope if you know they had a bloody axe and severed body parts and they were mumbling weird stuff, you'd be like, no, 'No, I'm pretty sure that's you know that's the guy.' You know, you wouldn't be like, well, I don't know, the screaming, but I figured oh, maybe he's just a really bad magician. You know, they can't all be yes. good. You know, it's just um, he's just working on sawing people in half correctly, and it's like you know people yeah people caught jeffrey dahmer because the smell from his apartment was so bad the cops caught him almost killing a guy 
way to go, Minneapolis. And he was like, no, he's just my weird gay lover. And and they're just like, I guess we're not touching this. But, like, that's the only reason they caught him. Like, they saw how everything was acting, but they're just like, well, I'm just not going to, you know, I'm just not going to make any assumptions or whatever. And And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's how it usually goes is they're like, oh, man, I, he seemed so normal. It's like, yeah, even the even the odd ones, people don't call it out. Like, it has to be so blatant. Yeah, that's the thing. And and so I, I do agree. Like, um, it, it of course, I, it just feels like it ju- we, we jump to this. It feels like when people say, I would have never imagined it was them. It's just a self-defense thing. Yeah. Like, it's just trying to vindicate and separate themselves from the crime. Right. And I get that. I feel like I would have the exact same compulsion, like, Oh, because the first question is like, oh, well, where were the parents or where was the where was the where were the friends? Like, how did you not know? Like, because he didn't say anything because he was acting normal up until this point. Um, well, I'm I, I'm I'm going to give a quick caveat. The first some the yeah, friends but, kind of if the friends are saying we never saw this, that's a different story. The parents, a lot of parents, and I hate to say this, but a lot of them bury their heads in the sand and don't know what their kids actually up to. I see this. Or the the kid actively hides it from their parents. Like kids are, kids are, I mean, and, and, and parents do up. And I agree with you. Like friends will see it sooner. I think in many cases than parents, not not all the time, but like if the friends are like, we had, we never saw this coming. That tends to be, I, I will tend to be like, wow, that probably came out of nowhere versus if the parents are like, I just, he's a good boy. I'm like, I've seen so many times like terrible, terrible people. And they're like, he wouldn't do this. He's a good boy. I'm like, we have video of him actively beating someone like on your front lawn, like yeah. with a, with a bat. Like well, I, I remember a few years ago, I was, um, I was informed by a concerned former student yeah. that her friend, another former student had just threatened to basically say like, when I get off work, I'm going to commit suicide today. And um, this was, this happened several years ago. And I, got a hold of I basically immediately went and found made some phone calls and found the phone number of of the the uh the girl's parents of the girl's dad yeah. called the dad didn't answer then I called the mom the mom answers I talked with her for a little bit turns out the dad had just gotten into a helicopter cuz he works as a paramedic um and that's why he didn't answer but the mom answers and I inform her that her daughter has threatened to commit suicide when she gets off work today, yada, yada. Like we go through that, right? I'm not trying to like make light of that. I'm just saying like, that's not the main point of the story. The main point of the story is the mom then proceeds to tell me that she's a child behavioral psychologist and she had no clue at all. Um, And that's the thing. Like, it's not even, it's not even that parents actively put blinders on. Sometimes kids are really good at hiding it. Um, sometimes there could be this old disciplinary thing you don't even remember doing to your kid that told that, that taught them that, um, they don't feel like they can trust you or, or talk to you about right, yeah. something dangerous too. And, and I'm not saying like, it's always the parents. I'm just saying that does happen. Right. No, no, no. Um, it, it, it really and, does. Especially, well, not especially I, in, in cases. Yeah. It, yes. it does come in, out of in nowhere. some cases. And I'm not yeah. saying that I'm just saying friends usually have your peers usually have a better finger on the pulse and i think that's yeah. to that's me probably not the best way to say that well <laughs> but no okay. but i'm saying like when it comes to how you're up but it, it's still sometimes it does come out of nowhere but that's the other thing is now people are starting to say well it's not a joke like it's not funny um yeah. like this is you know 
Like people are literally doing this. So it's not, you know, yeah. and, and I think that's the other thing is a lot of people, it, it's not Columbine anymore. You know, everyone remembers that, you know, it's, it, it's, I remember pre Columbine when they talked about shooters, it was these army kooks that had come out. Those are those words, by the way, these are the words that yes, were told yeah, to yeah. me. It was these quote unquote army kooks that, you know, weren't right in the head and got shell shock and, you know, they didn't have PTS back then. So it was just, oh, you know, these, these, you know, army nut, you know, nut cases. I remember that. I, I distinctly remember that because I think the first big shooting was an uh, uh, RT, uh, uh, ROTC in Texas, University of Texas, I believe, was the first like big school shooting. Mm. And, and that was the, the rep. And then after Columbine, it was, oh, it's these goth kids who listen to metal and play violent video games. And that has stayed for the longest time. And it's like, no, that was those individuals. And now I think you're seeing, I, I hate to call it a fad, but I think you're just seeing that, yeah, it, it's not at all one type of person. Mm-hmm. Well, and and here's the thing, and and I think this is a good segue as far as how we're talking about how we want to talk about this today. Um, the internet has been absolutely wonderful for allowing the misfits to find community. Yeah, right. The kid. This is why nerd culture is actually like way more acceptable now. And I think we even touched on it in that nerd culture yeah, episode, yeah, right? Yeah, a little bit. What used to be made fun of because you were the only kid in your school that liked, you know, liked anime or liked. Um, liked cartoons or whatever, or liked comic books or you know anything really. I like to read. Yeah. Um, like to read fantasy books and novels, or history and whatever. or D and D. Yeah. Right. You used to get made fun of all the time for that, and now you can go online and easily find a subreddit where people love this, and you can spend hours talking with those people. You can play online video games now and yeah. connect with people that like the same things you do. And so, what happens is for a lot of misfits where there is no threat of violence, they. Um, there is no, you know, th- their, their, their ideology or whatever their hobby is, is, is not necessarily or inherently threatening. Um, they can connect and they found community online. And that's a great thing for me. When I had no friends, video games online gave me a community, yeah. um, that extended yeah. into real life. Um, the people I play with, they do a live land party in Philadelphia every single, like every single six months, they all get together. They all travel out there and do a land party. I've not been to one because I'm literally, it never works out with my schedule, but like these are real people and, but for, for the people who are misfits in a different way and the people who, um, or the people who are misfits and then they, they go online and they find community, they may accidentally stumble upon communities that are actually toxic, but those toxic communities, and we've talked about this before, end up showing them uh, love in quotes, right? They make them feel valued and appreciated right, yeah. and like they're a part of the community. And so these, these kids end up feeling, um, or a lot of, People, adults and kids, end up becoming a part of these communities. And they say, well, this community likes me. I want to be a part of this community. I want to be like these people. And so well, I'm who going don't to they adopt. like? And yeah. Yes, exactly. And so you end up more willing to accept hateful ideologies because, well, these people have shown me love. There's no way they're wrong. Um, and this is the thought process without it being really the thought process, so to speak. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think anyone that actively says these things out loud as they're considering joining. It just happens. No, it's, it's subconscious. But yeah. those communities are very intentional about that. I, I remember reading oh, absolutely. an article about how, um, you know, these extremist groups, you know, and it, Islamic or uh, white supremacists, it doesn't matter what it is. 
uh, these extremist groups literally have like psychologists, people who go and get a degree in psychology and they tell them how to manipulate, you know, hey, uh, this person, you know, they, they check online on Facebook or whatever and they say, oh, uh, the, the grandmother is overbearing. So uh, play up the role of needing to, you know, a, 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 a mentor because they want community. They just want, you know, they're used to shame. So, you know, use that. And and they'll literally play yeah. on their fears and uh, weak spots um, to make them feel. They'll manipulate them into feeling like they're a part of a group, and yep. you know it's it's go, gang culture. Want, if you're if you're yeah. a Christian, go listen to the podcast Caliphate. Yeah, and just listen to episode two where they talk about the recruiting strategies for Caliphate and how the dude that she's interviewing actually ended up joining. ISIS from Canada. Um, he ended up like literally flying, moving and joining ISIS from getting involved online. The, the recruiting methods, the way they indoctrinate people is scarily, um, is, is scarily similar to um, like, you will find a lot of yeah. kind of tweaked traditional evangelism yeah. methods. Yeah. And it's a very humbling moment where it calls you really to question your, your own methods and the way you do things because you believe you're doing evangelism for a good cause, so do they. And um, so it's easy to justify the methods when you re- when you, when you realize that. And it, it, it changed is, the way I do Bible studies, and it's definitely yeah. changed the way that I'm comfortable with other people doing Bible studies. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent. And and so and and like let's talk. I mean, when it comes to ideologies, I was reading the other day, and I'll see if I can find the article and link it in the show notes. If I can't, then you won't see it in the show notes. But there was an article about how uh, right-wing hate groups and even ISIS will game the YouTube algorithm. And what they'll do is they will, a bunch of them, whether they create a bot or they actually manually do this, they'll watch a right-wing hate supremacy, you know, white supremacy video. And then they'll immediately watch like a video of hamsters or cute kittens. Yeah. And they'll do this over and over and over again because it trains the YouTube algorithm to associate those. It'll say, oh, these people seem to, that like these kitten videos, seem to also like watching these other videos. So it will naturally of start showing Nazis. those up. In the, and, yeah. yeah. And it'll show that in the recommended videos tab. You'll start to see videos of hate on completely unrecommended on videos that are completely unrelated. And that's why. Um, is because they're literally gaming the system and gaming the algorithm in order to get their content in front of you. And if they do it in a relatively, you know, where your where your guard is down, it's a lot easier to fall into it. Um, and so, but the conversation is taking place online. Yeah, and it's on Twitter, it's on Facebook, and it's. I I, I used to say we used we wonder why religion and politics. Or no, we tell we say that the two things you never talk about are religion and politics, and then we wonder why everything's getting worse in both religion and politics. Yeah. But now we are talking about it heavily. Yep. And but I don't think, and here's the thing: I say the conversation. I don't think it's a conversation online, for the most part. I think very rarely, or at least in the minority of cases, is it an actual conversation. Most of the time, it's just everyone yelling out into the ether simultaneously, and then and yelling at each other. But there, no one is actually like really conversing in a lot of cases, and they're just looking for. It's just it, I, I feels like a, just a giant exercise in confirmation bias. They're conversing in the same way that two people yelling at a sports event. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're you're yeah. in an arena, 
and you're yelling down at the same event. And in that way, it's a conversation because you're both reacting to the same thing. However, you guys have almost no, yeah. you know, does that make sense? Like there's, yeah. there's almost no dialogue. It's a conversation without dialogue. Yep. It makes me, it makes me like really want to go to a stadium. Like if I ever am speaking to a large, if I ever have the opportunity to speak to a crowd of thousands in a stadium, I don't think that'll ever happen. But if it does, I'm going to open and you, everyone can hold me to this. It's going to be about the most go- random thing too. It will. It'll be about like how to will. grow your beard or. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um, I'm going to, what I'm going to do is I'm going to open by having everyone shout something personal or something like random, a thought that they have out loud just at the same time. Three, two, one, go. Everyone's going to say something. And then I'm going to, after that, go, welcome to Twitter. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's what just I'm going to do. Because that's what Twitter is. It's just a bunch of people. Like imagine, imagine in your neighborhood, and, and everyone often just the, steps outside their front door and just yells their personal thoughts and then goes back inside. And, That's what Twitter and is. And off in the corner, like five people are actually like having a conversation in a thread, but it's in someone's backyard and yes. they're slightly uncomfortable with them having that conversation in their backyard. Yeah. But it's like, exactly. well, you opened it up. And then like those five people hear a neighbor like down the street. And so then from their backyard, all of them start yelling together at the neighbor, yeah. back at the neighbor. Um, get out of yeah, here what are you doing and and so i think i still so at the same time that i say people are talking about it at the same time i feel like we're not actually talking i think that's um, that's exactly we're it. talking about it but we're not talking through we're it. not we're not we're <sighs> there's no actual dialogue and i and and it seems to me that the climate for discussion is becoming less and less uh intelligent the best way to say that well let's um, i mean i wouldn't even say i, I not i mean maybe rational versus I, I, intelligent. rational rational i think is a good way i mean yeah. to me i associate intelligence with an ability to know or do something really well yeah and an intelligent conversation means you know how to do a conversation really well it doesn't it's not like you're it doesn't mean you're intellectual it just means that you know how to have a good conversation and you know how to do it well. And it seems like people don't know how to do that. But I think rationality definitely is a huge part of that. Like, yeah. like you, you, the difference between a fight and a debate is, or a, 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 let's go even subtler. The difference between an argument and a debate is a debate is is used to bring two people to a synthesis. You have a thesis and an antithesis, and they come together to form a synthesis. Very German. That's a debate. Um, and and truth is somewhere in the middle. You have one position and another position, and truth is somewhere in the middle. And and people know that, and they acknowledge that, and they walk away with, okay, I like this, I like this, I like this, but this is where you know it came together. An argument, which is what I feel like all that Facebook is anymore. And and mm-hmm. to a larger degree, the political arena and even real life now is like I'm standing on my side of the fence and you are standing so far on the other side of this fence. All we're doing is just shouting back and forth. Yeah. There is no synthesis. There is no commonality. There is no acknowledgement of, OK, I got you there. And I think part of it is that people are taking ridiculous stances on ridiculous things. On things well, would, that don't even make things that that don't even make sense, and they're unwilling to budge from that particular hill and lose any ground because 
they they feel like any any movement towards the center is failure. Well, for a for a person on the right to go to the center, they have to move left, and for a person on the left to move to the center, they have, they have to, to move, move right. right. And, and and if you are conditioned like, yeah. to believe that left or right is bad, no matter what, then of course you would be uncomfortable moving to yeah. the center because you're closer to the thing that you hate or the the thing that you're taught is is or you believe is is not. Okay, in any way, shape, or form. I feel even a little bit. I feel like the Adventist Church does this a lot because we it's almost like we refuse to acknowledge that other denominations and churches do things well. Like we have to do like I've I've talked to some mm-hmm. people and I feel like we have to do everything the best. We do evangelism the right way. We do this the right way. And I'm like, no, no, they do it better. Like even if it's just this particular non-denominational church, I'm like, oh no, I've seen them do it a lot better. We could learn a lot from them. And it's just like yeah. the pushback I've gotten back from that is like heresy. Mm. And I'm like, it's not heresy. They do it better. <laughs> They're more effective at it. And yeah. it, and it Absolutely. most times it doesn't have to do anything with theology. It's yeah. just, you well, know, and, and, and but that's the same type of thing. It's like you have this in this conversation when we talk about these shootings and and any type of any any conversation surrounding the the whether it's gun control or the second amendment or reactions to it or mental health anything surrounding that it's almost like you're just there's unwillingness to budge and move Mm -hmm. in any type of direction because i'm like this is what i believe i'm standing on it and there's that's it well and let's let i I do want to add a caveat to the idea of um people are are having you know outrageous or outlandish you know opinions or they're they're stating them out loud and they're refusing to budge i think the other there's two other sides to this right there's the psychology side of like um if you post something online and you've been vulnerable in sharing your opinion then when people react negatively our first response is to double down and protect ourselves that's number one right but number two is the way social media works is it's actually like it's designed to um, it is designed to put the controversial stuff in front of you because the controversial stuff is all we all like drama. Let's be honest. That's human nature. And so, of course, um, well, let me put it this way. I've been in pastors groups on Facebook and, and different groups on Facebook. And one of the things that always happens in ministry groups or in um, like especially with pastors is all of the. You know, people will ask questions about like, hey, what resources are good for this or what great, you know, what, what, um, you know, what, what, how, what's your advice for a situation like this? And they'll get like one or two comments and, you know, people say, you know, a couple of people will respond. Right. But then someone will ask like, hey, something, someone dances at a wedding. I don't know, whatever. Right. And all of a sudden that'll blow up and, and dancing at a wedding is terrible. And why do you do it? And all of a sudden that'll blow up with like 500 yeah. comments yeah. and a bunch yeah. of. And the reason for that is. Facebook, Twitter, all that. They reward the things that are getting replies. If you get if you get replies, you're more likely to get more replies. That's how yeah. it works. And if people interact, then it then Facebook doesn't care what the what the content is necessarily, as long as it doesn't break its guidelines and standards. Um to a degree. What it, to a yeah, to a degree. Um, you know, what it does is it says, Oh, here's this popular thing people will probably want to see this or know about it or hear about it. So I'm going to put it on their feed. You are more likely to see the negative stuff because the negative stuff is what people react to. Or just the outlandish stuff. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, because if it's outlandish, people will see it and say something. You're more likely to say something than 
to something that you heavily disagree with than, than, than to something that you agree with. And I think that's the dangerous part of having it on social media, um, which is where the conversation is, is happening to a degree, is because then people take that same thing and they put it into real life. And it's like, yeah. no, no. And I've, I've watched art imitate life, imitate art, imitate life, uh, especially in the sports arena where – you know, people all of a sudden have these super hard views about something or another. And I was like, oh, I know why, because that person watched this, you know, sports commentator. And the way you get in the sports world now is you just have this incredibly controversial view one way or the other. And you're just loud. And look at look at all the famous ones. Look at all the famous ones. I mean, they're extremely intelligent and well read. I'm not saying they are dumb at all. They're just loud. They just have a loud opinion on something, and they're just like, "Blah." I remember one guy. I stopped listening to him because he had this super strong opinion, and and, and, and I won't say who it is, but he was like, "Oh, baseball owners—they're making money cat hand over hand over fist. It's all cash. Like they're all—they're making you know millions off of this." And then, why do I feel like I know exactly what you're talking? Three about? weeks later. The same guy was like, well, I mean, they're just losing so much money. I mean, look at the Marlins. No one's coming to the game. They're just losing so much money. And I was like, look, I don't care that you have a strong opinion about it, but you cannot do one. Like, pick a side. Was this on ESPN and is the guy white? It was on ESPN at the time. And yes. Yes. I know exactly who this is. But, and I haven't even heard that. But, I just know that that's the kind of opinion. But that's say. what it is. It's just, and it's, and I just remember hearing that. And I reacted to the first one like, yeah, that's totally true. I could totally see that. And then the second one, I'm like, dude, even if that sounds totally true and totally correct, I'm not going to believe you because it just sounds like you're taking a hard statement. And I just realized, like, all of a sudden the veil was lifted from my eyes. But what's interesting is that same, to me, that's what dangerous, that's what dangerous about these, these shootings is because, like, that's, that's the way that people are talking about it in real life. Is just yeah. this loud screaming, and and there's no way of being like, look, here's the logic. Like, like let's just stop the rational for five seconds. This, like, I, I did you hear about the fifty pigs, the thirty to fifty wild feral hogs, or whatever? No. So on Twitter, is on Twitter, uh, they were talking about like, why on earth would you need a military rifle with you know fifty round clip? Or magazine, rather. Um, it's not a clip, it's a magazine. Why would you need that? And some guy posted on uh, Twitter to reply to this thing. What am I supposed to do when my kids go outside and 30 to 50 feral hogs or feral hogs, however you want to pronounce that. Um, it's earth real. Uh, 30 to 50 <laughs> feral hogs are, are, you know, swarming my backyards when my kids are out there. This is a real question for rural Americans. And it was so ridiculous. Whether or not it was true, that response, 30 to 50 feral hogs, and so specific, you know, if they just said, you know, there are wild things in my backyard that will attack my kids. If that's all they had said, but no, it was 30 to 50 feral hogs that, like, they just ran with it. They just ran with it in a way that I could not stop laughing. So it was like, how am I supposed to order mm. Wendy's when there's 30 to 50 feral hogs, you know, roaming around the parking lot? Like, <laughs> it was this type of thing where they just really took it and they're like, seriously? Seriously? 30 to 50, like, 
you know, anyone, anyone who, you know, knows 30 to 50, you know, and then it started to do like the arrow to the knee. And it just became this ongoing conversation of this ridiculousness where it's like, even if that really was a question, it's just so ridiculous that the response just went crazy. And I think that's exactly what is so dangerous about it is you can quickly type something up and just be like, well, I need it because of, you know, feral hogs. And it's like, really? Yeah. Like that. Yep. That's, and honestly, you, by and, the same and, logic. And, and, by, if, by, and, and if that's exact, if that really is your situation, I'm pretty sure that we will let you get that rifle. Someone from, you know, yes. someone from well, Dayton by, doesn't need by the that. Same logic, by the same logic, like that a lot of people that are, that are, you know, huge second amendment um, advocates and defense and supporters, which I'm not necessarily against the second amendment. Right. Yeah. But the diehard ones will say like, oh, well, if you take the guns, they'll just use a knife. So now I want to say the same thing to that. Oh, just do a knife. Apparently they could cause the same amount of damage in the same amount of time. Yeah. Um, And I just, I just find that entirely exciting. But that's the same thing is that the rationality is gone in all of this. And so to me, the way that it needs to happen is, is where you stop and say, okay, let's set it aside. Let, let's. Let's calm down and talk it out like adults. And that's the problem. I feel like nobody's talking about it like adults are. Like, honestly. You mean you mean nobody nobody's talking about it like adults should? Like adults should. No, there are adults yeah. talking. But no one's talking yeah. about it in a, in a rational. Uh, uh, not, not de-emotional, but. Yeah, I get what you're objective, objective or neutral, neutral or, yeah. you know, dispassionate. That's the word I'm looking for. Dispassionate yeah. way. No one's sitting down and going, look, here's the reality. This, 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 and this. Um, you know, I mean, you look at the doctors who are treating these wounds and they're like, This is this is horrific. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't even, you know, normal stuff. Um, you know, bring the conversation specifically to assault rifles. And they're like, this is stuff that, you know, we treat gunshot wounds a lot. This is completely different. Like this is on another level. And you, and I've seen people, doctors say, please, there needs to be, you know, as, as someone who tries to save human life, we need to do something about this. And people will yell at that person saying, oh, well, you're a leftist. No clue about his life. Mm. No clue about his views. But just say, well, you're you're just completely wrong. And it's like, dude, he's saying something correct. And I think this is the issue that I have in the in the Christian church. It's like, if you're a Christian, first of all, you, you should value life more than anybody. Because if you believe that that's a gift from God, and and let's not even get into the those who hate abortion advocate for guns. So as long as you come into this world then a gun can take you out of it. You just have to get out of yeah. the womb first. I'm not even going to get into that. I'm not even going to touch that. You just but did if you, touch it, if but you we're not going to, yeah, we're not going we're not gonna to get into it. But let's say that if you are so, if you value life more than anything else, why would you, you why would you not say there's got to be a way that we can figure this out? There's got to be mm-hmm. some compromise where, where nobody's happy, but everyone's content. But the problem yeah. is there's I'm not willing to sacrifice anything. And Christianity is all about self-sacrifice. It mm-hmm. quite literally says is, is about lay your life down. Yep. 
Well, and I mean, the entire early Christian church did the same thing. Like they actively sought to give up things for the good of the community around them, even things that they liked or enjoyed. Um, there was no pressure to do it either. That's why you have Ananias and Sapphira yeah. who like, where Peter was like, no one asked you to do this and you still lied about it. Yeah. God didn't like that. But, and you just, I guess and they didn't just like, and that, and that's the other yeah. thing He's like, you didn't just lie to me. You lied to God. So, yeah. you know, keep in mind, like a lot of the people who, who yes. claim to be Christians and then, and then do these horrible things. It's you're just, you're not lying to yeah. human beings. Well, keep and, that in and mind. to be fair this week, there are recently, I, I, I finally, I think I came around to understanding a little bit more of the guns don't kill people, people kill people argument that gun advocates will will use because I really am annoyed by the constant accusations of video games being responsible for violent people when that's not true. And even the links so many that, studies. that some yeah. studies have shown uh, between them, a lot of them can't tell if it's video games make people violent or already violent people are just attracted, attracted to video, to video games, games, A. Or B, like the link is there, barely, and there are much more other factors that are controllable other well, than this, thing, right? And so, how many? If yeah. this was in the eighties, first of all, when Pong was out, but if this was in the eighties, um, you could say that because the gaming community was much much smaller. Now, I mean, just Fortnite alone is like how many millions of people? Yeah, and yeah, it's it's, well, it's impossible is, to quantify. Yeah. But this is my point. Like, I, I, I finally, I caught myself basically wanting to say, like, video games don't kill people. People kill people. So, I like, there was part of me that finally understood why gun owners right. would say yeah. that or gun advocates would say that. But at the same time, video games are one further step removed, at least, or several steps further removed yeah. from actually, like, the weapon used in the killing. Well, so, at the same time, it's a false equivalency, but I can at least understand the motivation for saying that or thinking that. And the highest, um, the highest video gaming community is Japan. You want to know what? Also has some of the lowest, one of the lowest uh, shooting uh, or violent yeah. crime is Japan. Like most of yep. the violent crime there is gang, like not gang related, like mafia related, yakuza. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. most of the violent crime. So it's like, dude, like almost no shootings happen there. And everyone, oh, it's an island. Countries that have, I'm like, yeah. but South it's, Korea but, is the same way. But it's it's a huge gaming community, so you can't. Like again, yeah. but, and I think that's the whole thing. My mom even had that. She was like, you know, I don't like the boys playing violent video games because it causes aggression. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Well, yes, it does. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. Well, yes, it does. And I'm like, no, it maybe 20 years ago when the people who had those studies wanted to get rid of violent video games, but they don't. Lots of science has proven that that is, there's no verifiable link. Uh, I mean, there yeah. are, but you can't, well, my be, it's, not, it's not a one-to-one. My, it's not a one-to-one. Yeah, -one. My kid got angry when he lost. Yeah, he got angry because he lost. Like, they, they, I get mad if I lose Pong. They, Same if I get mad if I lose Smash Bros. Yeah, they did studies and they said, you know, you, you literally cannot tell if a human being is capable of killing another human being. There's no way of knowing. There's literally no way of knowing. And And by the way, if someone gets angry at video games to the point they want to kill someone... I, I have unfortunate news for you. I don't get the most mad I've ever gotten at video games. It's in traffic. Yep. So the person who gets angry at video games, they're going to, that's a, that's the trigger. Yeah. Something else could have triggered them, but, but well, this is not about video games though, but it's the same type of thing. It's like, that's the commentary that goes out. That's the commentary. Well, and here's, that goes 
here's, I think where, where I sit on this too. I think that the, one of the problems is like, we are so entrenched. We, t- we talked about it. it's one person on one side of a fence yelling at another person on another. And it's just the idea that you're on the other side of the fence that makes you wrong. Regardless right. of what you're going to say. And even if you agree with me, you're still not going to be totally right because you're on the wrong side of the fence. And so there must be something in your ideology or something in what you're think, saying, saying or thinking that means you're wrong. Completely wrong. And so yeah. my thought is here, I, the one thing that I wish we could do is I wish we could enter every time we type a tweet, every time you and I record a podcast, every time that, that we you know, put a Facebook post up or whatever, that we look for as when someone disagrees with us, we actively look for things to concede to the other side. Um, actively look for something to agree with for someone because what we currently do and how we currently read tweets, Twitter threads, whatever, you right. know, um, is we look for the one thing that we disagree with and that's and then like we harp on that. Yeah. And that it's, it's, I forget, there's an actual fallacy involved in that. But, right. Yeah. Um, like it's actually called something, but it's like, it happens logical, on Facebook all the time. I'll type out this. Fallacy. Yeah. This, this, I'll type out this long comment and you'll point this one sentence out in the middle of it. And that's the part you disagree with and you invalidate or ignore the rest of my comment. And I wish we would kind of do that, but for in reverse and do that for the good thing, something we agree with and look to actively, like actively concede something. And because what happens is a lot of, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Start there because the, the idea is if, if I think that this, the other side is evil, then they won't value me. And if we can begin to actually actively seek to value and affirm people that even we disagree with and befriend them, then there is the opportunity for permission to change minds. And I think there is some discourse. So like for me just now, I I talked about video games being ridiculous and it like the, the, the video game argument being ridiculous. Look, if we need to better control the release of violent video games and that's genuinely a thing. Yeah. If that'll help. Great. I I turned it on. She was like, I don't like the was playing violent video games. I, it was Fortnite, but I said, okay, boys, don't play Fortnite. Like literally, that's what I said. I go, look, I don't agree with it, but mom doesn't like it. So we're, we're not going to do it because there are other reasons. Now, granted, I was like, it, it's like paintball, but that's, yeah. I, you know, I was like, all right, that's fine. If you don't want them to, to have that type of aggression or competition or whatever, but I'm like, I don't like them having competition. That's more the, that to me was the rationale. I go, okay, she's saying it because mm-hmm. She doesn't want them turning into mass shooters, but I'm saying it because I also see the competition and I don't like what that brings out in, in either yes. one of them. And I'm like, okay. So that was the common ground that I found that I said, okay. And I, you know, to be respectful, I just said, Hey, we're not going to do that anymore. So, you know, we played sports and other stuff, but it was like that. Okay, fine. If that's, if that's what you want to do, but it really is. It's like, look, if that's what it's going to take, if that would work, let's do it. But, yeah. but, but, compromise i think that's the thing that we need to do is to be able to find safe space to not just dialogue but also to be able to critique people who are in a public arena you know what i mean like 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 public figures you know what i mean like uh, uh politicians or celebrities or whatever Someone who's in the public arena, we need to be able to have a, a safe space without resorting to this. Well, what about ism? You know what I mean? Like, oh, well, what about what about? What's well, like? Hold up, hold up. Let's find Hillary something did this. Together. Well, yeah. Well, what about Trump? Yeah, yeah that's what we do. It's yeah. Like, no, you can have that same. You can have a safe space to criticize them. First of all, anyone who's in a public arena, you're up for criticism. 
Like that. That's and by it. the way, public arena is period. If you're yeah. on Twitter and you're tweeting and Same you're an here. unverified, yep. just regular person yep. with 200 followers, that's a public arena. Yeah, that's a public. You're arena. on the grid, You've, dude. Yeah, you say something out loud on the sidewalk. You best believe that every people, other people in a public space yeah. have the right to respond. Yeah, and and again, the First Amendment. This is a, people always get this wrong. First Amendment doesn't protect you from other people reacting to you. The First Amendment just guarantees that the government cannot shut you down. Right, like it's it's specifically to pr- to protect newspapers from criti- from yes. critiquing the government because of the you know learn your English history, the Star Chambers, all that good stuff. So it's specifically to be like there's a freedom of information, um, and and there's you know public mm-hmm. you know the the public has a right to know and a right to comment, but it doesn't mean that someone can't punch you in the face. It doesn't protect yep. you from that. You can't just be like, well, First Amendment, First Amendment. It's like whoa, 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 whoa. But they can also, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't just magically, oh, well, you can't do anything now. I mean, if they can't punch you in the face because that's assault, but it's not going to stop them. And that's the thing. It's like, all right, if you're in a public arena, people are going to criticize you. But if you follow that person, you need to be able to say, all right, here is where they don't do something right. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'm not a fan of politicians. I'll be real. All of them. All of them. Um. There are a few that I find myself generally leaning towards in one yeah. particular arena uh, or, or one particular area, rather. You know, I'll be like, oh, okay, I agree with this particular person on this particular point. But even then, that's only, for the most part, it's to a degree. And so when you start talking about politicians, they're like, I don't like this person. I'm like, yeah, I don't like him either. Well, I don't like this person. I don't like him either. <laughs> but any person you like, oh, I love them. I'm like, oh, well. Do you like that they did this and this and this? Because it's because I'm like, 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 like people to a degree, but to be like this part, like I, I can't ever imagine campaigning for someone like that just blows my mind because I'm like, there, there are so many things that are like, I've never known. There are a couple of politicians that I'm like, you know what? I like them. I think I could hang out with them as a human being, like as a friend. And I'm like, I could campaign for them. I could see that. But like for for president. Or something I'm like, I there's too many there are too many skeletons and too many people's closet, too many things I would disagree with to be like, I am sold out for this person. Like pretty much Jesus is the only person that I'd be like, Yep, I'm I'm yep, I'm an advocate for him. And that's why I'm a pastor. Because that's about mm-hmm. it. Everyone else I have a problem with. And I think that's the thing is that you need to be able to acknowledge people's flaws. You need to be able to say, you know what? They don't do this well, but I enjoy this and this and this. And because yeah. of that, that's why I support them. And this is, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, I wish we could get to the point that like, if I were to criticize Trump right now, the first question, the first assumption is that, um, and whether it's right or wrong, oh, well, you're just a leftist liberal and yada, yada, whatever. Like there's this assumption of my intentions, but there's assumption that I disagree with Trump because I'm a Democrat rather than I disagree with this thing that Trump said or Trump did, uh, because I disagree with what Trump did, or I disagree with something Barack Obama did because I disagree with what Barack Obama did. Um, Or there's this idea that, oh, well, you didn't feel this way about Obama or you didn't feel this way about so-and-so and and they did the same thing. And I was like, A, either I didn't know about it uh, at the time. B, I didn't care about politics. uh, For many of the, for most of Obama's term, I terms, I did not care about politics. I was in high school, Um, right? I was a freshman in high school during, um, during his first campaign. So didn't really have a huge stake in the game as far as politics were concerned at that time. And a lot of people are like that. 
whether that's good or for better or for worse, I wasn't. That doesn't mean that I can never be involved in politics because I didn't care when I was 14. But the the other side of that in my mind is like I you we should reserve the right, we should have the ability to to disagree and people I won't say right, right was a bad word there, but um we should be able to disagree and critique the the actions and words of, for example, a sitting president, but any real public leader, public figure on the merits of their own leadership and words and, and legacy. Right. Um, and I, and right now we currently can't do that. Right. It's just, Oh, you are, you must be this way because you, you disagree with this one thing. And that's not always the case. No. And what it, what it creates is this unwillingness to disagree or to critique people like Trump or McConnell or even AOC and, and um, some of the, the yeah. freshman congresswomen, like I disagree Illinois with some of the things that they've said and lead. done. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it prevents us from seeing the good in, in different things that different people bring to the table as well. Um, that's what it does. Because if I, if I do assume that Democrats are wrong, if I do assume that, that Republicans are wrong all the time, then I will assume that any deal that comes out or any bill or any movement that comes out of that is, um, is bad, right? Same deal in the church. If I assume that conservatives or liberals or progressives are bad in the church, traditionalists versus contemporary, whatever, um, then I'll reject whatever comes out of that. And that's really sad to me. Like I watched when Oshkosh happened, Damian Chandler, the guy that spoke at Oshkosh spoke at one project. You best believe there were hate articles coming out in ultra conservative, um, ultra conservative, um, publications and online blogs that were attacking Ch- Damian Chandler and basically boycotting him speaking. And then he spoke and he did a fantastic job. And there are people that love him now that didn't even know he was ever a part of one project that, that would hate one project. It's like you almost have to trick people into agreeing with something before they know the source or before they know it's a part of something or it, you know, it has roots in something that they disagree with. And that's sad because that's not how we should be able to have conversations. The way we should be able to have these conversations is by being able to take them on their own merits and to be able to disagree with things with nuance. And this is ultimately, this is how I feel because right now we have this, I, right now I, I, I hate when I see people on Facebook, just blocking people they disagree with or people in their own life. Like I just can't talk to my in-laws anymore about this thing. And like, those are the people in your circle. Yeah. The, if, if you believe that this ideology or rhetoric is hateful and, and harmful and you just say, well, I gave up, I'm not talking to them anymore. I don't understand. Like, I don't get that logic. I get that you're tired and you may not have the energy to that. You know, I do get that. Um, but this idea that you refuse to engage in the ideology in this, in whatever hateful or harmful ideology is growing and spreading. Like that just seems odd to me. And then we sit here and complain on Twitter. Like, the entire point of trying to change ideologies is to befriend people and um, and to help them see why ideologies are wrong. It's the exact same way that, what, Donovan Davis, I think, is his name? I forget, but he's like my favorite person to reference, even I can't remember his name right now. But he's the jazz musician that, be, that, has, that has created over 200, uh, converted 200 KKK members out of KKK by befriending them. And he's a black jazz musician. Um, same deal. You befriend the people you disagree with. That's how, and you earn the right, you earn permission and the privilege of speaking into their life in a way that is loving and kind and can call them out of an ideology that very well, very may well be um, full of hate and, and harmful to society as a whole. And I think that, 
I think that to me is uh, that's that's the way we should react about this whole thing because here's the reality: people are dying. Now they're dying every day from different things, you know, uh, cancer, drunk driving, uh, pneumonia, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that there are ways to prevent deaths. Um, and I think that's the whole point about these shootings is that we've, these, these shootings have brought out in the conversation about them and all the periphery. It's really brought out this inability to have a dialogue that I'm not sure was always there or is changing or has changed, but it, it, to me, it Mm. reveals, okay, we need to be able to get together and come together and talk about these things. Um, We need to be able to do that in such a way that it creates space in people's lives because I'll put it in this way. I was the first seventh Adventist. I was homeschooled growing up and I was the first seventh Adventist to join this really big homeschool uh, group uh, for sports in Arizona. Homeschooling is big in Arizona. Um, It's really big in, in parts of Southern California, uh, mostly for acting in in SoCal, but uh, in Arizona, there's just a lot of homeschooling, a lot of charter schools, things like that. And so this really big sports group, hundreds of kids, um, all different age groups. And the high school level I was involved with, I was the first Adventist to ever join, ever. And the best way, they thought I was a, like a cult weirdo. Um, I got called Jew boy. I got Well, I have curly hair. So I had long, bushy, curly hair. And I worshiped on Sabbath and donate bacon. So Jew boy actually kind of made sense. But um, I like, I got all these kind of like, all right, it's Tony's kind of odd. But, you know, and eventually... Um, I just worked my way, you know, just being normal, just being cool. Uh, I did not gain a lot of friendships in that, but after a while I gained at least respect and my younger brother joined. And by the time he joined, everyone was so cool with it. They were like, oh yeah, it's Tony's younger brother. Like they don't, they don't do games on Sabbath, but they, they, like he was able to join in that group to a point where when he would like, they would let him know on Friday nights in a tournament, like Andrew's getting close to sundown. He's like, yeah, I got a few minutes. And they'd be like, no, no, no. Like it's, it's getting close. Like you should like, (laughs) like they would warn him to keep the fringes of the Sabbath. It was really cool on the, you know, he, he couldn't make a couple Mm -hmm. of games in that tournament. They literally hung his Jersey on, on a chair Mm. and people would ask about it. And they'd be like, Oh, that's for Andrew. He doesn't play on Saturdays. And they said it with res- like with respect, and it was awesome. It was so cool for me as an older brother watching that because I, I don't want to say took the brunt of abuse. Like they didn't go crazy on me, but I kind of just by being myself and by being cool and encouraging people and and just walking around and not trying to convert anybody necessarily, but just being myself. Um, I you know kind of opened the door for that to be able to happen. And yeah. for these people whose ideologies and theology was radi- very radically different from ours, um, allowed that to happen and, and started to change up, you know, their view of who we are. And I think as Christians, we need to do that. We need to stop and say, all right, I might not agree with what this person says. I might not see where they're coming from, but I value life. And I value this person because they are a gift from God. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to find a way to find common ground. I'm going to find a way to love this person. And that's the, yep. that's the thing is I, I'm going to find a way to love this person. doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you're not going to have disagreements. You are. It doesn't mean that you're not going to have bad days where you don't do that. It, you are. I do. But it means, all right, how do I get to a point where the majority of my conversations are about building people up and creating mm-hmm. connections and not burning down these bridges? Well, and let's let's. And, and and I want to give I want to give one example of this kind of as we close. I think a good way to start, yeah. especially in the era of mass shootings, is is when it comes to the gun conversation, right? I really wish people on the left would stop for a second and think about the person who's advocating for guns. Because a lot of the people advocating for guns are people who have gone through all of the hoops and all of the obstacles and all the all all the required steps to own guns legally, A. And B, a lot of them are people who've grown up with guns as a part of their life in a very safe and controlled way. Um, for a lot of them, guns are as as an extent, a natural of in, of an extension like, out of their it's hand. It's like saying is we're gonna ban all screwdrivers. Yeah, to them, they just see it as whatever, right? Well, and this is my point: they, they it is it has become a cultural part of their identity, and for them, and and I'm and I, I want to give an example here. It's not exactly equivalent, but it's it's kind of close. I'm half Cuban, and I grew up eating rice and beans. And it's like rice and beans are a staple in every meal. Like I'm always craving rice and beans. And I have a friend who's literally like, we, we would eat, we went to brunch one day and he was like, I don't, there's not, there's no rice and beans. I don't know how to eat this. Right. Like, um, and he's Mexican and, um, telling people like we should just ban all guns is like telling people, um, because some people have shot, you know, cause people are getting shot by guns is like saying to us, like we should ban all beans and rice because people are choking on them. Like that's like that's the kind of thought process or thought pattern or, or principle that that's happening there, right? You're talking very flippantly about rejecting and banning a huge part of my cultural identity, not even racial, just and not even ethnic, but just cultural identity. My family spent hours together on this, and this is ingrained in who I am, and you're just outright rejecting it. Um, and I wish we could take a second because I think the conversation is different when I realize that this is someone who this is a major part of their identity and I want to be sensitive to that and look for ways to affirm them and right. also seek, yeah. seek compromise and, and a solution to the problem and vice versa. I wish people on the gun advocation or gun advocacy side would realize that on the left, these are people who don't have that same cultural understanding of guns. These are people who, um, who very much, you know, value different things or may value a different way or may not even see or understand the value of the guns. And so they just, there's, a they lot just that, there's a lot of misinformation. They just see people dying because of yep. this particular thing and say, well, this is, there, I mean, there's a one-to-one correlation between people dying and guns. There is. Yes. And so they just see that and go, well, okay, we need to get rid of the thing and people won't die, which may or may not be true, but they just, that's what they see. And so that's where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. And it's just, a re- I mean, if, that's just the reality. And so that's where I wish, I wish we could meet on the, the, the two things of, Hey, we both value life and we both value, like we value people staying alive and we value each other's cultural identity or identity in general. So how do we move forward in a way that honors those, both of those things, but also seeks for both of us to, and both of us to make compromise and meet in the middle. And I think one best way to do it is to start asking more questions than simply responding with statements to tweets or to Facebook posts that yeah. you disagree with. Yeah. 
I think if there's more question Especially marks in your, sta- in your, yeah. Um, I, you know, I just, I wanted to end on some sort of practical way to, or practical suggestion, but I don't, I don't, I, you know, I'm, we're trying to navigate this. That's the whole point of absurdity is that I started this because we want to try and figure out how to navigate I'm, conversations. I, yeah. I, you know, and I, I live with a guy who has multiple guns, you know, not in the house, thank goodness, but like he has multiple guns a lot and he grew up hunting and, and it's like, you know what? I, okay. I've gone shooting before I, you know, so we talk. And we talk about it and we go through and it's like, hey, I, he's probably one of my closest friends. And yet mm. we're on two sides of the debate about this. And it's like, all right, cool. But we can still come together and talk about it in a rational way, in, in a way that I think mm-hmm. makes sense. Because I want to love this person. I want to love this person. And I value our relationship mm. more than I value my particular stance. Um. And I want them to see that. And if they see that, then maybe we can begin to come to a compromise. And I'm not saying one way or the other where their views about shootings are, but I'm saying that's the type of, of relationship that I think we need to have in a practical way to say, all right, find something in common, get together and say, look, we, we can agree about this. We can agree about that. I'm not trying to disrespect you, but here's, here's, here's moving forward. And I think here's a great, to me, this is the great note to end on. As a, as a right now, what you can do response. El Paso, one of the, one of the men whose wife died and his name is Antonio. Oh my gosh. I cannot think of his name now. Shoot. Um, just look it up. I'll look El it up Paso. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, yeah, look up look El, El Paso um, funeral. His wife died. He has no family. They moved here from, I think, Minnesota or something to, to El Paso. He said, uh, we have no family. Um, Antonio Basco. Yes, Basco. He said uh, he opened his funeral up to the public. And he thought, you know, maybe two or three people would show up. They did this video. And they had to time lapse it because it was so long of the people who came to the funeral. To the funeral because it was public. There's a line. it, it, It extends multiple city blocks of people who showed up. Um, that's a practical thing you can do right now. The churches in the areas where these things are happening. Um, if you are a believer, if you're not a believer, go to these families, let them know that they have your support. Let your city know that it has your support, um, that you are not going to let these, these individuals, um, destroy the, the heart and the core of who we are. As yep. citizens, as Americans, as Christians, as people, as humans, um, that's that's the best thing you can mm-hmm. do right now. But as we continue well, to talk about it, I think, yeah, I mean, that takes time. You can't, you know, you're not going to change things. And overnight. even more you so, you can do that right now. Even more so, I think, too. Hey, there's two things I want to say here. First, remember this, kids. If Tony and Obley can be rational, so can you. Yeah, um, yeah. But but B, um. I know there's a lot of church leadership that listens to this podcast in Adventism. I don't know about outside of Adventism. Here's what I would say to those of you involved in church leadership at any level of the organization, um, whether it's as a volunteer or a, you know, a nominated member of the church board or church leadership or like actual administration, right? Um, we are past the point where we can assume that nothing like this, whatever this is, will happen in our town. Mass shooting, whatever. 
Um, when the Keith Scott shooting happened in Charlotte, I was pastoring and my church had, we didn't do anything. I was actually out of town when it happened and I couldn't do anything and our church wasn't ready to mobilize. I think I would love to see conferences or unions in Adventism create a plan for, um, create an action and response plan, provide crisis response training or partner with an organization that does. I would love to see churches already have in place the line of communication, the chain of command, and a policy or some sort of procedural in place for what do we do if we find if we wake up one morning or we look in the evening and find out there's been a mass shooting in our city? What do we do? Because if you're sitting there in the hours after a shooting trying to figure out what you're doing, you're wasting hours that you could be actually ministering to people. And so I'd love to see churches of all denominations with a plan in place, with people already responding, crisis response training or whatever, to be at protests, to be at rallies, not holding the signs, if maybe if you need to, sure, but like just to be there to pray with people, to talk with people, to hand out water, to like minister to people the same way that after the Orlando Pulse shooting, I knew of pastors that drove clear down from, Carol- from the Carolinas to Orlando and made prayer chains with people in downtown Orlando on Lake Eola and were praying with people and were ministering to people and just being there. And I would love to see our churches, local churches, having crisis response plans in place before anything ever happens. And so maybe that's a conversation for your next leadership team meeting. Maybe that's a conversation um, that you start in a group chat. I don't know. But I think if we were already, I think we're past the point of being able to assume that it's not going to happen and being surprised when it does. Yeah. And, um, and I think we do need to be ready. Um, but I think that, that that's, I think we've, we've kind of, Hit this one as well as we're going to hit it today. Well, so, and to, to really um, have a good note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, thank you guys for listening. Yeah, no kidding. Um, thank you guys for listening. Our contact info is in the show notes. And if you want to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and if you do want to hear about the big announcement that's coming up soon, um, then go ahead and follow or sign up for Patreon or PayPal donations. Um, and just make, you can just make a donation and I will still let you in on the announcement but patreon.com slash absurdity podcast or theabsurdity.org slash donate. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Today's episode of Absurdity is sponsored by The Haystack. The Haystack is a voice for young adults in the Seventh-day Adventist Church that produces articles, music reviews, videos, and more. To check them out, go to www.thehaystack.org. The Haystack. Life. Culture. Theology.